friends, this is Anka and you're listening to Events Demystify podcast. In previous podcast episodes, I have talked extensively about event engagement, building a community digitally, metrics, data, the role of this 365 community on increasing the engagement. And we also looked a lot at what are the KPIs that we should be looking for when it comes to virtual and hybrid events. Because in order to create this 365 year around community, you might find that having an event platform, the same way you would have a venue to meet for your maybe weekly, whatever monthly year-round meetings, it will help in the process tremendously. So last fall, um, one of the episodes in October, I believe it was when we covered what are some of the questions and what is the process that you should go through in order to evaluate and choose the right platform for your future event. And that was really with the idea of a virtual event in mind because at the time we weren't able to meet yet. This time, however, one year later, I feel like we are kind of back to square one, but with the hope that we can meet in person. And instead of looking at a virtual event, we're looking at a hybrid event experience. And with that in mind, I wanted to invite a guest in with me today that will be able to share some of their knowledge and tips on finding the right platform for your hybrid event so that your event makes an impact by bringing the best part of the in-person event experience to the virtual world with a greater reach, accessibility, flexibility, and insight. And for that, I have my guest, Ike, who has started his professional career at Microsoft, where he focused on partner programs and marketing. He went on to co-found and now run four successful organizations and eventually led to the starting of Social 27. So today I would love to welcome Ike and have a conversation about what does it look like to have this community engagement built around a platform? What are the tips that he could share from that side of the event industry and learn from him a thing or two? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? Very good, Anka. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Would you give our audience just a quick rundown of who you are and what are you most passionate about these days? Okay, certainly. So uh, again, my name is Ike Sinkehal. I'm the CEO and co-founder of uh, Social27, at least for the perspective of this particular podcast. We have been, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I've been doing corporate events, B2B stuff for about 20 years now. I'm certainly very excited about the possibilities that surround us today. And we've kind of seen them unfold just in the last 18 months or so. I know there was lots of unfortunate sides, you know, to COVID. But I think a few good things that we learned in the process was the whole digital transformation that would have happened probably in the next three to five years kind of happened in six months, at least for a lot of the people I've talked to helped with the best productivity gains, you know, and being able to do the right thing from whenever, wherever, that whole vision of that became a reality. So I think for me, I'm just really excited about where the world goes from here, and Mm -hmm. especially a lot of the things that we have learned. I mean, time being the most valuable commodity in the universe. And so the, the more time I can actually spend with people I really care about, including my family, including my business, you know, engagements that I have, but the ones that I really care about, and being able to go deeper into those versus spreading myself thin over so many things I might not go anywhere. So I think that is something which I'm more, most excited about is to have the ability, the tools, and I think the right thinking around the world where people 
can do that now. You don't have to travel, you know, 15 hours to meet a person and be like, that meeting did not need to happen. You know, so I think, you know, some things of that kind. Yeah, absolutely. I like that you bring into perspective this idea of how much uh, the virtual event has helped us, especially in the event industry, even though we have been complaining and whining about mm. Zoom meetings and mm. being digitally connected instead of in person right. for right. far too long. We have yeah. to also remember how many benefits have come mm. out of that and how mm. we were all able to survive <laughs> during the pandemic Certainly. because we had the opportunities that came out. And I feel for everyone that personally have had some major losses, you know, either that of people they lost or businesses and jobs. Now, here's a question that I like to ask. That wasn't sure. the icebreaker question. <laughs> okay, this is a trick question. Here comes the icebreaker question. There we go. Question. Let's do it. There we yeah. go. During this season, this particular mm-hmm. season where we're in, if everything was possible, uh-huh. what would this hybrid event experience look like in your opinion? If everything was possible, I think, what are people looking for in events, right? There's three main basic things that everybody looks for. Again, there's more, but you can classify them under three. The first one is certainly to listen from the experts in their ecosystem, you know, uh, to be able to hear about what's the greatest and the best right now, to get that knowledge. As soon as we get that knowledge, we want to be able to share that knowledge with our peers and discuss that knowledge. That's what we refer to as networking and, and so forth, workshops. And the third immediate thing is, okay, I've heard from the experts. I've discussed this knowledge now among my peers. I have a better understanding. Now I want to go and partner with vendors, suppliers, solutions to actually take action. So all of these three things are really kind of make you know, an event amazing. And I think the perfect hybrid event is not some, you know, some bird in the sky. It is all about doing the same exact thing, but doing it in a more efficient way. So for us, the way we think about hybrid events in today's world is the pre-event phase is when I should be able to go in and get all my intro content done, right? So, and that can be done much cheaply using Zoom, Microsoft Teams, recordings, whatever, be easy, StreamYard. Okay, so the point is get all that 100, 200 level content done, really spark the minds of my attendees and get them excited, then also help them connect with other people who are coming to the event. So you've got your networking going on, you've got you know your 100, 200 level content done, and the introductions to the vendors and everybody else also gets done as well. That's done. So when you're at the event, the biggest question that everybody asks an event is, hey, what do you do? That should not be the case. I mean, when you go there, you should be rolling up your sleeves and actually getting into action and taking the conversation to the next level. So I think for me, It's not just events, but that is the new hybrid world we live in. I just spent about a week in London, just the last one week was my first trip overseas in 18 months. And that is exactly the strategy I followed. These are the people I met in person who I had been talking to virtually for a long, long time. And all those meetings were so deep. I mean, the outcomes were amazing because we really knew each other. It wasn't like, let me tell you what we do. It was more like, hey, we've already talked about all the possibilities here. This is what we're going to work on. Let's sign something and move on, right? So the goal is how can we expedite our engagements and our relationships by using the virtual components before the event, during the event, you know, really go deep and do something about it, action, and then post-event as follow-ups, right? So I think that for me would be the perfect hybrid scenario, which I think is not just events, it's our daily lives now as well. I love how you bring that perspective to the idea of what this engagement could be like. It's a it's a great perspective because it's from a business standpoint. A lot of us event planners, all we're thinking about is like, how can we, you know, use gamification as a means of creating engagement and having fun and, you know, generating leads. But what you brought to the table is like, how about you create those connections prior to the actual 
actual date of the event so that the day of you already know some of the people will be there and you can go into a deeper conversation on to what exactly are you trying to do here or what is the outcome what is the goal mm -hmm. so with that in mind i guess what are your thoughts on what a proper hybrid event should and could look like in a way that an organization can increase their event ROIs when hosting this type of hybrid event Mm -hmm. There we go. So I mean, I will actually again. That's a solid question in terms of you know uh, the follow up to the first one. I would say you know now what does it look like, right? So essentially for us, it's about envisioning an environment where you've got in the pre event phase itself, as I said earlier, all your hundred and two hundred level content is all available. It is all recorded online, so you don't have to deliver hundreds of those sessions in person. We all know how expensive that is, right? And you tell me, like of all the things that we love about in person events. I think the least favorite is sitting on uncomfortable chairs from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. listening to PowerPoint. Nobody loves that. So the Nobody. point is, exactly, <laughs> let's get all that done while you're sitting on a nice, comfortable you know, bed, sofa, wherever, at home, 100 to 1 level stuff done. So when I'm yeah. at the event, you know, I'm basically talking to those speakers. I'm like, I really love what Anka had to say. So Anka, can we actually do a workshop? I want to bring 10 people from my company. And so we all are going to be at the same place because that is another great thing about in-person events is like, all of us might not be crisscrossing in the real world, but actually end up in the same place for that reason. So like, hey, can we just do like a side meeting and go deep into a workshop? Because I think what you have to say is so brilliant. I really want all my company people to know about that. And or we are facing this one challenge. My customer is going to be there. Can you help us figure that one out? You know, so I think that is action. So in person is all about action, not about sitting there. And it's that's more of a monologue. You know, 95% of the attendees who come to an event never get a chance to say anything because they're the receiving end of a monologue of the few percent people chosen as speakers. So I think for me, it's saying, no, I don't think that that's how it should be. Maybe that was true in kindergarten when nobody else knew what they were, you know, only person, one person knew was a teacher guy, right? So, but now, yeah. I mean, these are intelligent people. We have to find a way to collectively harness this intelligence of all these people who showed up. So intro's done. In person, all about very, very relevant, you know, deep meetings, uh, deep workshops, I mean, all that fun stuff, right? And the way it should look like is using all those tools. When there's a, some of the in-person stuff happening, you know, what is happening along with that is that you are still able to stream, you know, some of your keynotes and other things. And for some of your workshops that you're going to be doing, take an example of Clubhouse. People are fine also with audio. Apparently, we all thought that, no, but no, they are. I mean, it's a rage. So the point is having audio pods, you know, so it doesn't, you don't need to have a camera in every workshop, just having a recording device, which is, you know, kind of like a conference call kind of thing, you yeah. know, where people can participate. I think having those kind of things, I think would really help. So then that way you are connected to those conversations. And if you want to show up for those conversations, you can be there. But if you're not physically there, you can still listen in, you know, participate in some way or form. But the biggest thing really comes down to is, you know, calls, right? So even though when there was the in-person world where everybody used to go to office every day from nine to five, we will still end up on calls, you know, because other person was in another building. So that happens at in-person events as well, where, you know, you might say, well, let's meet up for a coffee later, but can we just quickly do a call to really understand what you guys are trying to do in here? You know, and then let's go and get a drink later on. That is the in-person component. So the point is having this hybrid environment be seamless before the event, during the event, you know, and then you should be able to see for the attendee, is this person attending in person or are they virtual? And then accordingly, those tools have to be available to set up those calls and meetings with them based upon that, you know, that whole paradigm. And then I think uh, going back to your question earlier, when you're doing the introduction to the podcast, the community aspect, 
how does community really form? So for me, introductions pre-event, during event, all action, right? And then post-event is that community factor. So what I've seen in all three virtual events that we have done is a very, I mean, for the lack of a better, you know, I would say, let's just divide the world into two different categories. Makes it simple. One was the categories of people who were having events, which were, they were a community already. And one was like all strangers meeting each other, right? So when it's complete strangers meeting each other, it's like a boom, silence. Nobody's talking to no one because, you know, we all have that anxiety, even if you go to a... Unless third- you have some obnoxious, outgoing person that just, know. you know, yeah, has exactly. to make conversation. Otherwise, <laughs> exactly. you feel so awkward yeah. if they yes. don't. <laughs> no, I mean, I, this is the truth. Even when you go into like, you know, your friend's housewarming party, you know pretty much everyone that there'll be 10 people. But it's just anxiety right in the beginning. Like, okay, who's going to get this going? So it's the same thing, you know, when you have a party and who's going to dance first. So I think it all comes down to those things where you have to have people who will be the chaperones of this environment and having at least some pre-event activities going on so that there is visibility of activity in there. So I think that is something which is very important for an event that does not already have a community going on, right? And then I think from, from our perspective, we believe in tools like similar to Instagram, similar to TikTok, where people can just post content about themselves. You know, there's something called Hello World, you know, which I think is an awesome feature that posts a 30 second video, why are you here? You know, I mean, all the awesome pictures from LinkedIn and everything else in the studio, little great, but a real person sitting in front of a camera, wherever they are sitting right now and saying, hi, I'm at this event because of blah, blah, blah. Hit me up if you want to talk about these things. Now that completely changes the game, right? So incentivizing people, as you said earlier, with gamification to actually do more of those, you know, so I think that is important. Now, events there, there's already a community built. What's the example of those events? For example, sales kickoffs. These people, they might not do high fives every day, but they're certainly very competitive and they know each other pretty well. And so the point is they're the ones who will be very vocal about everything that's going on inside there. So those ones have an already communities built up. Most internal events do, right? So when we do events for big companies and so forth and or associations, there's a lot of people in there who've been there for a while. They have certain roles that they play and they can do all of that. So it's already a pre-built community. It's only the industry events, you know, in most cases, because there are people coming from all sorts of different, you know, sides of the house and we need to nudge them a little bit, right? So who's going to dance first and then get everybody in? Or come on, you know what? Let's do one of those train things and people kind of join in. You know, So musical <laughs> chairs, right? So the point is we all know how to do that in the real world, bring some of that into the virtual world and believe me, it'll work. But then in cases where you've got a community that collected together during the event, how do you keep the community going after the event, right? So I think that all comes down to from learning from the community and understanding what they really liked and what they did not like in there. That's not called a survey. I don't know anybody who does a survey. You know, even those so-called eval surveys that every event you know, used to have for the last thousand years. I mean, I've done so many events, less than 3% people would do them. And the ones who did them were the ones who were not happy, right? So the point is everybody who's happy, they go home. It's all good. You know, so the point is the system has to understand the people. You know, this is the world that we live in right now where we consume content and we uh, collaborate with intelligent systems, consuming content. Let's take example of Spotify. I don't have to go and tell Spotify a thousand things about me. Spotify knows, you know, and it figures it out. And same thing with YouTube. If I click on one video, I sit there for the next two hours because it just knows what I, what I need. And if I, it comes to collaboration on LinkedIn, it keeps on giving me, you know, recommendations of people I should connect with. So all of those things are what we do in our normal lives. Why should events be different? You know what I mean? And so it's the same exact stuff. I want to consume content. I want to collaborate. 
hey, system, please understand me. See what I did during the event. See what I liked. Figure it out. You know, so that is what's going to keep them coming back because it will be relevant. The next experience is relevant based upon the learnings that happen in there. When we talk about events, you know, with a lot of our customers, you know, they say, okay, so how long can we have this on after the event? Can we do like a month? I'm like, well, that's kind of short. You should do at least three months. Because the point is, you know, first thing when I go to some events, you know, I'm like, wow, these were some really cool sessions. And then I'll pass them on to my colleagues and to other people in the company. But by the time they get to it, you know, a couple of days, 15 days here and there, who knows? So I think the best factor of, of post-event is the ability to really give people so many tools to share that content. So I think that is the number one thing everybody has to do. And the second thing immediately after that is to also understand, as I said earlier, what worked. And whatever worked, give those recommendations to similar sets of audiences and allow them to be able to spread that word. And then I think another thing is to have a post event. I'll give you a small example. We did an event for Microsoft UK in December, actually November, late November last year. It was a virtual event. Satya, you know, the CEO of Microsoft was the keynote there. They had a two-day event. They learned so many things from that two-day event in terms of where those clusters were forming, around what topics and so forth. They did a follow-up like a few weeks after that as a half-day event. For some of the topics that were they felt were like really amazing topics, which people really loved, but there wasn't enough content for it. So mm-hmm. I think the opening of a virtual event is the opening of that experience. It's not just the event. So it's about learning from it and then doing post-event activities, which will continue to give relevant knowledge to the audience, but then most importantly, give them the reasons to come back. And then, well, within a few months now, you've got a community which knows each other a community that will self-start itself every time it shows up. Now they're kind of like semi-friends and there's many tools available to put your face into that and humanize that element. But essentially that's the goal. You know, pre-event, all the intro stuff, finish it off. Intro intro sessions, intro to each other, intro to solutions and services. During event, do all the actions associated with those introductions. Post-event, learn from the event, give them more relevant content and continue to keep on, you know, feeding them additional things that are relevant to them and keep them interested because I don't understand the concept of let's do an event let's get all my customers really excited and then let's meet them next year well in the meantime they will have bought from all of your competitors like why would you do that you know so you have to be connected with them yeah absolutely 100% I love this take on uh, the uh, advice that you have because I feel like most of the event organizers they're throwing everything at this one event Mm -hmm. once a year like you said right and then I'm left high and dry and then obviously you know a few weeks months down the line I forgot all about that one event Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there's other events that are competing for my attention but you lost the opportunity to keep me engaged with that Mm -hmm. content with those leads and those people that were part of that event that maybe I really truly enjoyed but now there's nothing to like Mm -hmm. build off of on Mm -hmm. so would you say in this example that you had with microsoft would you then have this large big event that you're gonna produce and host but then is that gonna be where you're putting all your money or would you maybe spread it over this year knowing that you have a strategy in place now what's the best way to go around it very very good question anka so i will highly recommend again the event side of the house was in most cases it's the biggest line item on the marketing budget and it doesn't bring you back the so-called revenue okay uh it's more of cost center right so the point is i think events side of the house right now and to all the event professionals who are listening in today we have the opportunity to actually make it a profit center i'll tell you how and why the point is that our goal at events has been button seats how many people did i get to show up in here and then there is a 
post event survey, which nobody answers. So the point is, it's all kind of is more about saying, I Unless did this you're event. super unhappy, like you said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the point is like, why should we limit ourselves to becoming email list generators? In the past, there was no other tools to do that. Now there are thousands of tools to just generate email lists. You can buy a list for like 20 bucks. So then all I find my value to my company or to my client is that I'm going to give you an email list of 5,000 people. Well, sorry, I don't see a lot of value in that. So the problem, the, the point is that we have to move our mind frame from being email list generators to revenue generators and not just revenue for the event, like selling more sponsor space, but real revenue for our customers and for the people who actually came to the event and for the company who's owning the event. So the point is that those are there's many ways to do that. And the number one way to do that is to connect your buyers and sellers in a proper way. Yes, there's tools for that. Yes, you know, events have obviously been trying their best to do that. But I know I've attended many events. And the one thing I hear from everyone is, well, there's going to be thousands of people. This is the one event I'm going to put so much money into. But even if I get one lead, real lead from there, it's ROI done. Because I spent 100K on this event. My average, you know, sale is 100K, so I'll be done. But no, that's just wrong. Because the point is that this is the only time your customers are going to be out in the open. And why are you only wishing for one, one lead and or one small thing? It's the same thing as an email marketing. They say, if 1% opens happen, oh, it was successful. All those things are out of the window. The goal is people are coming out in the open. It's not like buyers don't want to, they want to meet the sellers, but nobody wants to kiss 100 frogs to find the prince, right? So it's that, that game that goes on between buyers and sellers. And they're like, oh, I have to talk to 100 people to figure out which one I really want to buy from. And it's just not a good experience. So why are we having them kiss 100 frogs? You know, so the goal is like, if we can do a really good job, because we know both the parties. We have so much data on the attendee. You have so much data on the sponsors and exhibitors. Figure it out. Connect them in the most possible relevant way. You know, do your speed dating where you've done your research, not them. Okay. So like the system should help you to really be able to say, look, this set of buyers really need to connect with this set of sellers because that is exactly what they're looking for. So let me connect them. Maybe instead of kissing 100 frogs, they'll kiss three. Not too bad. Okay, but they'll still find a prince or a princess, whatever that is. So the goal is, you know, that is what we can do as event professionals, which is to create environments where we are not just email generators, but we actually take the data from both sides and really figure out the best possible ways to connect the right audience to the other one. Then we'll become revenue generators. And then we don't have to think about, oh, how much should I spend for this one event? No, you'll continue to keep on generating revenue and we will get more and more revenue in for doing more events. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation, while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. To find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable, go to trifunevents.com. So the goal is the first big event or the flagship event should be the beginning of the experience. And then based upon our learnings from that, you could have weekly events, who knows, two hours a week. It depends if the audience wants it. You could have monthly events, a four-hour event, and or whatever else, but certainly not losing the touch of our audience until next year. Because that era was when 
literally there were six events happening in the year, you know, I mean, mega events. But now there's so much information that comes every day. They're not waiting for the event to listen about what's happening next in that industry. They're getting information all day, every day from your competitors. So you have to keep them engaged. You cannot let them go and say, well, come to my event because we throw the best parties. Well, okay, well, so does everybody else. You know, so the point is, I think, getting ourselves out of that mind frame, like how can I go upstream to not just be like, well, okay, this is an events team. There's like five people in there, but you guys spend so much money. Oh my God. And then the marketing people come after that. They get Marketo, they get all sorts of tools because they are the ones who can actually get you the sale. That's not true. Only, only people in this universe who have a customer out in the open is the event people because nobody else has the customer out in the open. You send that many emails as you want, Marketo or not. They necessarily don't open it. But this is the only time you have the attention of the real customer in front of you. And the only connection to that customer is the event team. So the event team has to become the most powerful team in the company because they're the only ones who can help you close deals in real time. Right. So let's just start thinking in that mind frame because we have the touch of the customer. The customer is coming there for the content, for the drink, for the dinner, whatever it be. They're traveling, they're committed. Why are we just letting them go with their email? That's just the least to expect. Like, come on, we can do more than that. Right. So that's just my very passionate spiel. It's like <laughs> event teams have to become the biggest profit centers in the company in the next 12 months. And we have the, for whatever reason, the world has given us this opportunity on a, on a platter. Let's just make it happen. I love that you're so passionate about it because it tells me a whole lot about how many experiences you've had where the opposite happened. And now you're like, we got to change this. This is like going the wrong way. It's been going the Mm. wrong way for so long. Why are we still doing the same thing and Mm. expect different results, right? Isn't that the definition of insanity? Now, when you're talking about these systems, like basically the virtual platform, something that will support this new strategy, it's important to ask the right questions Mm. so you can provide, you know, the right features and benefits for your event. And after you've seen thousands of events produced, hosted, you've attended quite a few yourself. What do you think are the questions that aren't being asked, but should be asked? I think I'll go back to, you know, for some of the things I just mentioned right now, it is the people on the table. So the event people who are coming on the table, they are the biggest decision makers from a platform perspective. You know, so they're more about saying, can you make sure that my sessions will run? Like, you know, give me everything you can give to assure me that, the session will not break because they're coming from a mind frame of in-person events where it was like, hey, if the stage lights go off, like, no, I'm going to get fired. So like that is the biggest thing for them. The next biggest thing is, well, is there networking in there? Great. Uh, if it happens, happens. Otherwise, they'll figure it out. Fine. And then certainly because I'm going to be selling sponsorships in exhibitor space, what does that look like? You know, will my exhibitors actually pay for this thing? So those are the few topics that people actually talk about. Now, wherever we have the next side of the house that comes into the picture, which is the marketing team and the sales teams, the whole conversation changes because they're asking for like, okay, how are you going to be giving me this data? You know, and so like what format is it going to come in? You know, so can I push my data already into the platform before the event happens? So I I can give a different experience to different people because I don't want to treat everybody the same way. Even if they bought the same ticket, this is a really important customer. I want to give them a little bit extra on top of that. So I think for us, the biggest thing in our platform was, the unlimited role-based experiences. So depending upon your event owner's need, I can create, I don't know, 100 different roles or 500 different roles, doesn't matter. We just were doing a series for the United Nations for climate change conferences. We did like two months of that recently. This was 24-7 content delivered 100 plus countries. And the biggest thing for the UN was the ability to have unique experience for each attendee. Because again, these are like presidents, these are like heads of state and or big organizations which have to decide the climate change policy for that country. It's a big deal. So you cannot have the wrong person in the wrong room 
signing the wrong agreement. I mean, that would be a disaster. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, a real, a real natural disaster. Who knows what will happen? But the point is that just the ability to have a prescriptive experience where everything was prescribed for the person. So that is also very important, right? They better have prescriptive experiences. Now, all of this can only be done if there's the right people on the table. So yes, you have your events out of the house. Whose job is to make sure the lights be on? Can people connect to each other? You know, will there be you know the, the right space to sell to sponsors, right? And then the marketing team has to come in and say, okay, what about the hooks into my existing systems? I love what you guys are doing in here, but I've spent millions of dollars on my marketo and my Salesforce and everything else. How can I utilize the data from here? So then that is that conversation that needs to have with them. It's like, look, it's a seamless integrations. It'll all happen. Don't worry. It'll happen in real time. So it's not like you have to wait for a post event. During real time, it'll start sending stuff to your system and you can act on it right away. If you want to add more and more value to your event and or your events, it's about pulling in other people from other parts of your organization, sales, marketing, and even business development to a certain extent, and telling them that, look, this is not just a butts and seats situation. It's not an email list generator I'm doing in here. I'm going to create real revenue for all you guys and help you with your goals. So come to the table, ask those questions. Let's make sure I make all of us happy. Absolutely. Now, in this new reality of events, a lot of young professionals in the industry are still scared that, you know, mm. having this hybrid event will uh, potentially cannibalize their front door ticket sales, mm. even though slowly they're kind of seeing that there is potential to increase the audience and expand the brand. Mm. And there's only opportunity there. And it takes some time getting used to. Now, with that in mind, my question to you is, do you think we'll be doing this virtual hybrid event for years to come, like forever, basically? What is mm. your magic mm. crystal ball? telling you well i mean I, i'll be honest there is no magic crystal ball required for this <laughs> let's look at sports it's the best example of hybrid events done right for ages so the point is you know what you have to create amazing content you know and you have to create content that is relevant for your audience and you really understand your audience and that is what happens at a sports event 90% or more than that percent of the audience is online always so did it cannibalize a sports event no Everybody still shows up, you know, because it's a different experience and there's no introduction to the team. Well, you come to the event, you will get introduced to the players and you might not like them. Well, that's what events does for you, right? So why would people show me this is a problem? So you have to tell them before that this is the people you really want to watch. So they will come to the stadium. It's not a problem. It's the pre-event will excite them and your ticket sales will to the roof. Let's learn from sports events. They're the most profitable events in the history of human race. So let's learn from what they do. They really give you a lot of information before the event. They excite you. They make you get you like, wow, I have to go. And I'll pay $10,000 more for this ticket if I have to, right? So that's simple. There's no crystal ball required. On the other side, there's this concept of Zoom fatigue. We all talk about it. Anka, you tell me when, when was the last time you had Instagram or TikTok fatigue? Did you even hear that word ever? No. <laughs> so it's like, it all comes down to, sorry, there's nothing called Zoom fatigue. It's called bad content. That's all there is to it. Believe me, some really grainy video on TikTok will still get a lot more hits if it's if it's the right content. Okay, so it's I mean, all those things are out of the window. It's all about saying we have to adapt to the new medium. You cannot just slap, you know, what is done in person, 45-minute PowerPoint, followed by three minutes of Q&A. Take this, let's take the same thing to online. You can't do that. You know, it's the same thing when people just started doing e-commerce a little while ago. They would take their in-person catalog, take pictures of, you know, those pages and put them on a website. Say, call me. What do you want to buy? It doesn't work. Amazon changed the game and we know where Amazon is, right? So it was all recommendations and a very easy way to do things. It was a whole different way of shopping. So the point is the same thing goes with the content for events. You have to reinvent that content. When it comes to relevant content online from a business perspective or even consumer perspective, TED Talks. 
TED Talks is the golden benchmark for online content. They don't go above 15 to 16 minutes. The speakers are prepared. It's not PowerPoint by death. I mean, I love PowerPoint, but I'm just saying, like, if you have to use a couple of slides, that's fine, but you should be able to talk about this thing. So the goal is give people good content. And then, yes, have a bunch of those TikTok style, Instagram style videos in there so they can find each other because that's how we like to find each other these days. I don't want to read a massive profile of you. Do a 30-second video. Give me your best pitch. If I like you, I'll be like, hey, Anka, let's talk. Otherwise, no, bye-bye. Okay, so it's just, let's there's learn There's a lot of pressure with that, Ike. There's a lot of pressure. But, you know, but, I totally but, agree with you. It's funny because yeah. I have to prepare for a keynote for a conference coming up. And I have anxiety thinking of putting together a PowerPoint. Like, I'm totally comfortable with the idea of, like, just coming on camera and let's talk mm -hmm. about it. Let's engage. Let's interact. But the idea of, like, actually putting together five slides, it gives yeah. me, like, this anxiety. I'm like, yeah. oh, God. Great. And maybe I'm going the wrong way about it. I'm like, why do yeah. I need those slides no. in the first place, right? I maybe just yeah. get rid of them. And, but I love okay. that you brought that up. It's fantastic. Now, as we're coming to time here, what are your last tips, remarks, thoughts that you might want to share with our audience today? You know, I know you're talking super fast you have a lot of things to say. I love yeah. it. Give me something for a conclusion here. Wonderful. So I'll give you one thing for the keynote that you just talked about right now. I mean, I think if when it comes to virtual events, the best format is a panel of some kind. You know, like the same thing that we are doing right now. This is a mini panel because it's a conversation. People are looking for conversations, not monologues. So that I think is the first thing. Sometimes you're like, well, there is no panel. I'm the only person doing it. Well, <laughs> then you make your PowerPoint the panel, the moderator for you. And like, okay, well, let's go one more. So like, so like you pretend there's a, and you can even create a character on your slide saying, well, my, you know, moderator is asking me next thing. So let me talk about that. You know, so I mean, believe me, uh, we are planning some events for a customer of ours. And this is the exact idea we talked about. And I think it will work for them. Panels have worked for all of our events. The highest ratings is for panels and not any of that, you know, one way dialogue stuff. Right. So that's that. Yeah. That's the first thing. The second thing again say is that I think there was a reset in this industry and a reset in many parts of the world, our lives, you know, everything else in between. The point is the biggest takeaway from all of this is there was a reset and we have entered a new world. I don't think we're going to go back to the existing world that was before, but this new world, I think, again, puts event professionals and event teams in a very amazing, strong position of being really Thinking about events, again, as not just butts and seats, but like, how can I create revenue for my sponsor, my exhibitors, but most importantly, for my company that I work for? And how can I start going upstream and using the data that I have and the access to the customer I have? Nobody in the whole company has access to more real-time data than the event team. Nobody has more access and touching the customer than the event team. Everybody else is just calling them, emailing them, and not even getting a response. But you guys have access to them because... Events are the best thing that has been going on for millions of years. Even when we used to live in caves, we put a fire and we dance around that, right? I mean, that's how it was. So like when we were small, if there was a birthday party in the neighborhood and we did not get invited, it was the worst thing in our life. So events is something as human beings is in our DNA. So events are not going anywhere, number one. But we got to change the game on these things and really start showing more value because in the new world, everything will get measured. In the past, all they used to measure was how many registrations. But now they'll measure what happened at the event because there's all these tools for that. So we will be under the microscope, we like it or not. So we better grow up and be like, hey, I'm going to get them better drinks. Mm, that's great. But no, real data is going to start flowing. Every platform has data you know, in integrations in there and everything will be nice and clear in front of you. So you better be driving lots of real value 
for everybody involved. And we have the opportunity to do that. So I think this is a blessing in disguise for us in many ways. It gave us some time in the last few months to actually have a, a detox of some kind, because I know event people, there's a certain breed of people who go to our events. We just don't like to stop. We just keep on going. And we, I mean, we, we thrive in high pressure, fast paced environments. And we just were forced to be like, hey, stop. You've been like this since you were a kid. Just sit down now, okay? Take a deep breath. And I think that's what has happened right now. We took a deep breath and I think we're ready for the next chapter. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all these amazing tips and the insight that you brought to the table is fantastic. If anyone wants to connect with you, what is the best place, platform that they should do that on? I would suggest LinkedIn is perfect for it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time with me today. I appreciate everything that you brought to the table. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, Monday, beginning of the week when we're recording this. Thank you, Ike. Thank you so much, Anka. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Same. Thank you. Okay, friends, that is a wrap for today's episode. I know there is a lot of information, great information. I'm going to have to take a lot of snippets out of this episode and just chop it and put it out there as content because we expanded on so many different topics that are so important, especially for the event industry, for event organizers, and everyone that's interested in going deeper into uh, hybrid events and how can we make that ROI and how can we use Use our KPIs in a way that will bring revenue because at the end of the day, I mean, that's the goal, right? Well, thank you so much for all of you listening here in the US and all around the world. I am super, super grateful for all of you. Whatever you're tuning in from, please do subscribe on your favorite listening platform and leave a five-star review to make this podcast visible to more event professionals like yourselves. As always, I welcome your feedback. I welcome topic ideas that you might have. Keep that coming either on Instagram at Event Demystify Podcast or via email podcast at threefunevents.com. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Until next time.